What's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of Cast a Podcast with Ronnie Moore. And I wanted to use this episode as the afterthoughts, the afterthoughts of Lake St. Clair. What a fantastic week we had in Michigan for the Bassmaster Lead Series event, the fifth stop of the 2020 season. It's still weird saying that at the end of August to have only five events done, but we've got the other four planned out for the fall. We will do the full, complete nine-event season for the Elite Series. Super excited about that, having a fall aspect. But yes, this was the originally scheduled finale for the season. And boy, if this actually did end the season like we thought, it would have been a wild ending uh, because it was such a great event this week at Lake St. Clair. I mean, congratulations off the top to Bill Widler, 86 pounds, 7 ounces for four days of bass fishing only in American waters on Lake St. Clair, the Detroit River, and the St. Clair River. We'll get into that with the border uh, in just a couple minutes, but Bill Widler, a little bit of background. If you don't know him, go on Instagram, Facebook, follow him, uh, Bill Widler Fishing. I think it's his third or fourth year. I can't remember. I've covered him in the opens and whatnot, but I think it's his third year on the Elite Series. His first year was a struggle. His second year, he barely missed the AOI Championship, and then this year has been a struggle. But the man of the hour at Lake St. Clair got it done, won his first ever Elite Series trophy, and we don't need to just say that like it's like, oh, he did it. Not many people fish professionally and win a Bassmaster Elite Series trophy. Yes, we hand out nine per year, but... Of all the people who bass fish and of all the people who fish professionally and whatnot, not that many people have a big blue trophy in their, in their, on their uh, mantle, in their house, in their office. Um, and and this, so that doesn't need to be taken for granted. That is a phenomenal feat and an accomplishment by Bill Widler. 86 pounds, 7 ounces of smallmouth. And check this out. He won by just half a pound over John Cox, but the top eight in the Bassmaster Lead Series event at Lake St. Clair, the top eight were only separated by two pounds, four ounces. I mean, I'm not even going to say possibly or probably. It has to be the closest bass fishing tournament on the professional level I've ever seen. Yes, there have been closer margins of victory than seven ounces, what he won by, you know, like, oh, he won by one ounce or he won by two ounces. For eight of the top ten to be within two pounds, four ounces, and to have over 80 pounds was incredible. And I think that's not just like, oh, ninth and tenth did terribly. I think tenth place had 79.12. Taku Ito had 90 or had 79 pounds, 12 ounces. So he only lost by six pounds and change. That is like a margin of victory that has never been seen uh, for an entire top 10. It was so, so, so close. Normally when you see the tournament go on, the final, final day, somebody will slip up, not do, they're out of fish, their area, they have trouble, they try to go for the win, so they, they risk and gamble and they don't, they don't do their normal deal and they don't have the fish or whatever. That's not the case. Everybody went for it. Everybody was trying to win. Everybody could win. I think the final margin on day three for the top 10 was like four pounds, 11 ounces, four pounds, nine ounces, something like that. Anyways, four pounds, uh, four and a half pounds, roughly four and three quarter pounds. 
and everyone had a shot to win. Now, the the weights at St. Clair wasn't going to be easy to make that up, but everyone had a realistic shot of winning. Just like at Lake Champlain, Lake Champlain had the, the top 10, was only separated by 2 pounds, 12 ounces on the final day, going into the final day, going into the final day. But it was a much wider margin at the end of the time. Uh, I think I think Polonik won by almost a pound, and then it was another you know half pound, and then another half pound, another pound. So his margin of victory ended up you know I don't know what twelfth was off the top of my head, but it had to be probably like ten pounds behind. Um, so impressive of a top ten final day of the whole field. This was the almost uh, perfect cut. It was 18 pounds and an ounce for 40th place after one day. And then it went up to 35 pounds, 14 ounces. So you double 18-1. Double 18-1, that is 36 pounds, 2 ounces. The cut line was 35-14. I mean, are you kidding me? Almost doubled the weight. Normally we do that. That's the rule of thumb. You double it and subtract a pound, add a pound, depending on how good they caught them uh, or were catching them. But normally, most times subtract a pound if not subtract two to three pounds sometimes we'll see those 17 pound bags for an average you know it's going to be 34 and change it ends up being third heavy 32 or something like that but for 18 one to duplicate and go to uh to 35 14 the top 40 caught them the whole field caught them but the top 10 really caught them and uh some notables there i mean John Cox led three days of this event. What's crazy about the northern swing, St. Lawrence River, Lake Champlain, both in New York. We took about 10 days off, came to Lake St. Clair. Those three northern events, the leader after day three. So for all three events, Paul Mueller led day one through three at the St. Lawrence River. Jamie Hartman led day one through three at Lake Champlain, and John Cox led day one through three at Lake St. Clair. We had people who led three of the four days and didn't close it on the final day. Johnston, Chris Johnston beat Paul Mueller. Brandon Polinick beat Jamie Hartman. And and then obviously Bill Weidler beat John Cox. But so impressive. Such a crazy, crazy tournament. The weights were good. Uh, You know, guys were catching them every single day. I think it was... First was Bill Wilder, second John Cox, or second uh, Corey Johnston, third John Cox, fourth Clark Winlet, fifth Jake Whitaker, sixth Chris Johnston, seventh Shane LeHue, eighth Cody Holland, ninth Jay Yellis, and tenth Taku Ito. I just did that off the top of my head. I did not look anywhere, I promise. Kudos to Ronnie for just remembering that somehow uh, as I record this podcast at midnight driving across the country. So, fantastic Lake St. Clair. We got to see normal techniques coming to play, a drop shot. We got to see some crankbait fish. Uh, We got to see some Ned Rig stuff. But we got to see Jay Yellis fish ultra shallow with a chatterbait, also with a spy bait, and he also threw a drop shot around. That was a unique factor of it. We got to see Taku Ito. He got to captivate us um, at St. Lawrence River. We loved it. We got to see him at Champlain some. And then um, we got to see him at Lake St. Clair. Such a funny guy. Such an honor to have him on the Elite Series. He's a young guy. I think he's in his, you know, I think he's like 33 or 34. Pretty young. 
very skilled, great deep water angler, but had never caught a smallmouth, never caught or fished for a smallmouth until 2020. And then he fishes for smallmouth, and not only does he fish and practice for them, he gets three straight top tens on smallmouth fisheries. Unbelievable. I'm excited to see how he handles the fall swing, fishing shallow, power fishing. We know he's got his electronics dialed. We know he's got the finesse techniques dialed. I want to see how he does down south. He's sitting second in Angler of the Year, prime position, but uh, we've often seen that people who, who can stay in the Angler of the Year lead or at the top, it doesn't always work out and they have to they drop back, you know, with a solid, you know, maybe 20th place finishing points or something like that. But Taku Ito, a great, great start to his Elite Series career. Super, super excited to continue to cover him and see how he develops. But kudos to Taku Ito and Corey Johnston. Three straight top tens on smallmouth. The northern swing couldn't have been any better for those guys. Well, it could have been for Corey. He really would want, wanted to win this uh, Lake St. Clair event. Uh, he really wanted to win all of them, but he was so close. I think uh, I think they got 6th and 7th at the St. Lawrence. They got ninth and 10th at Champlain, and then they got 2nd and 10th at um, Lake St. Clair. So kudos to Corey Johnston, Taku Ito. That's an impressive feat. Three straight top tens. They're they're sitting good now. Taku, like I said, second in points. Chris Johnston, I mean Corey Johnston, moved up to, I believe, like 14th or something in points after starting the Northern Swing in like 69th or 70th place in points. Awesome movement there. We saw some not awesome movement. I hate to mention this. If you ever hear this, John Cruz, I'm so sorry, so sorry. But I believe John was in the top 10 in points. After the first two events, if not, he was like 12th or 13th, and he fall he fell after the three northern swing events to 69th in points. So that is the that is the incredible fluctuation that you can have in the points early in the season. And this is the this is the earliest we've seen smallmouth events uh, for the northern swing. We've seen obviously starting the event starting the season in 2017 with Cherokee Lake in Tennessee. A little different though to have our northern swing instead of it being events seven, eight, and nine or uh, 8, 9, and 10 or something like that. It was event 3, 4, and 5. So we've seen a lot of fluctuation in the standings for a lot of our anglers. And I'll say most of our anglers come from the southeast. Southeast or maybe the mid-south. That's what I like to call Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, that region, the mid-south. Um, a lot of our anglers come from there, and they're not necessarily – Smallmouth anglers, by at, you know, at heart, they might learn it and know it well, but they don't. They don't come from up north. They don't fish for smallmouth, other than during our summer events. So, uh, the fact that we, you know, they went up there at a time in the season where the points weren't, in, you know, really concreted in. You can obviously move and fall at the end of the season, but not nearly as much. You've stacked a whole, you know, six tournament resume to your favor to your credit, and we always see, like, back in the day, we'd see Chad Pipkins, he's from Michigan, when he was getting started on the elites, he would struggle down south, struggle down south, and then he would rise at the end of the year and have a second half of the season like we've never seen, and he would always put himself in contention for the classic or, or something, and a great northern swing would be the result. Well, this year, great northern swing uh, for these guys 
impact the AOI a lot. And that's why when you're looking at the AOI standings and you've got a Clark Winlet, you've got a Taku Ito, you've got a Paul Mueller, Jamie Hartman, Seth Fighter, David Mullins, Drew Benton, um, guys like that are in the top 10 in points. And now they're going down south. We've got a, you know, Paul Mueller's done fine down south. Uh, you know, in the fall, who knows how it's going to be. Taku Ito, have no idea, but he qualified from the Central Opens, which featured two, two uh, uh, fall events. And, um, you know, and then we've got the Clark Winland should do fine, like I said. You've got those southern guys like Mullins and uh, Benton. And then you've got a fighter who's really learned it well. But some of these guys that uh, are going to thrive during this four-event season in the fall are really going to need to catch them, though, in tough conditions if they're going to want to make up points. But let's just not – hey, the top three guys in points have like a 25-point lead over fourth, and then uh, from fourth to fourth to 20th, it's only like 40 points. So it's still really tight. A lot of guys can still move and, and put their name in the hat. I'd say if you're not – if you're in the top 20 still in AOI, you have a shot to win AOI still. That's that's what I think. Obviously, more likely than not, our winner's going to come from you know the top 15 or top 12 right now. But I think someone, I think 20th place is Brandon Polinick. Um, you know, I, I think I think as far down as you know 70 points behind. I think that that's going to be the, the the place that you can see people can still have a shot to win. So we will see. Who knows? We had like five guys last year really close in AOI. But that is kind of the season look ahead. But the afterthoughts of St. Clair is so crazy how good the smallmouth was. There was guys like my buddy Jake Whitaker finished fifth, got better every single day. He had 18.7. He had 20 pounds, uh, 11 ounces, 21.6. And then he had 22.11 on the final day. Like got better every single day, came up one pound, five ounce short, that's what also is worth noting. The, the top eight were within two pounds, four ounces of winning. The top five were within one pound, five ounce of winning. That's so crazy. So crazy that five guys were within 21 ounces of winning an Elite Series title. So impressive. Um, Lake St. Clair showed out. Like I said, the border deal only had U.S. Waters in play because of COVID restrictions and whatnot. Uh, you know, the, the acts and the, you know, the rules that have been put in place preventing people from coming across the border. That also includes water. That also includes the elite series events. So we're, we're doing it with the hand where we're dealt and with St. Clair, it's not like Canada, U S splits it in half. It is, it is splits it in a third and two thirds, a third of that water in U S uh, famous anchor Bay. You've got the Metro park right out in front of takeoff. You got the South end, right where it funnels to the Detroit River. We also had a little bit of Detroit River in play down to the Ambassador Bridge. We also had the whole St. Clair River north, you know, that funnels from Lake Huron. And then we did have Lake Huron in play, but only the U.S. side. So when you're in that St. Clair River, when you're in the Detroit River, it's only half that river, and it's not that wide. So um, that was a challenge for anglers this week, but they got it done. We saw so many good fish get caught. Um and man, one way that we watched it on Bassmaster Live, these fish get caught, was with Garmin Panoptics, that live scope. Garmin live scope, incredible. It, it is incredible. What a tool that the electronics have been. Obviously, this is like Gen 2, Gen 3 version of it, and they fine-tuned it. But 
to be able to see roaming smallmouth, you know, and pitch a bait over there, see them react certain ways and realize you need to switch up or see them like it and they bite it and you catch them, incredible. Um, and I'm not a great electronics guy. I'm not a great offshore angler. And I can see the benefits of, of things like that, of panoptics. And, and one thing I noticed was panoptics, uh, the live scope with Garmin, you can see fish really well with it swimming you can see directions you can see behavior uh you know and that is that is such a tool to help you learn about the mood of the fish meanwhile on the other end of the spectrum you've got things like hummingbird 360 that we saw play out at lake champlain on the northern swing and you can just see the structure so well you can see all the boulders you can see all of that so clearly um and so some some electronics features showcase uh, you know, thermocline well, they, they showcase structure well, they showcase the fish well, side imaging, sonar. There's so many different things that anglers will use either as an excuse or say they're not as, is not as much of a, a even playing field or it's a competitive advantage. It might be an advantage, but when has someone never had an advantage on you in sports? Uh, when I played basketball, yeah, we wore the same kind of shoes. We had the same ball in the same gym, but they had an advantage on me. They were just better than me. So in bass fishing, there are guys who have never made an excuse and they are just better than people or uh, they just put in more time or they just pulled up on the right spot or their pre-practice, you know, their, their study. Everyone, ha- there's always been an advantage. Someone's always had an advantage. Chad Pipkins is a local at Lake St. Clair, has an advantage. Did it work out? No. Finished 80th place. So when we're looking at the electronics and people are, you know, it's a big controversy now. Have we gone too far? Is it too easy? Is it, if you don't have this brand, are you going to not catch him if you don't have live scope or no, you can still catch him. Is it going to be harder to win events if you don't have it? Possibly. Is it going to be more distracting for anglers that have it and they can end up fishing for for bass that won't bite or they're they're stuck looking at it and not using their instincts and they lose their instincts a little bit? Possibly. That's the risk you take. There are consequences to everything. And so I don't want to act like this electronics thing is brand new and we've never seen advantages in bass fishing like this. Whoever had the first set of power poles had an advantage. Whoever had the first 250 horsepower motor had an advantage. The first person to experience um, a drop shot had an advantage. Alabama rig, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if we need to jump to anything on that stuff in regards to that, but but kudos to the brands that, that innovate and come out with those things. LiveScope's very impressive. Seeing those anglers catch the fish uh, the way they have uh, with that technology is, is so incredible. And, um, you know, I look forward to diving in and learning learning more about those different things. I know about LiveScope and whatnot, and I've seen it in action. Um, you know, I, I've played with Panoptics some um, over the last couple years and whatnot, but when it comes to uh, Lake St. Clair, a lot of guys were using it. Um, we got to see it in action, and we got to see some some cool things of, Hey, I just saw a fish swim underneath my boat. It's behind my motor, and you pitch back there and you catch it. Pretty crazy. But kudos to Bill Widler. Winning $100,000 changes your career, changes your life. Uh, 
you're an Elite Series pro that is a Bassmaster Elite Series champion now. So that feat will always be connected to you. And he did it in a place that you wouldn't expect. He's from Alabama, Helena, uh, right there outside of Birmingham. I said that for all my folks that listen to the podcast that are from Alabama that don't that complain that we call it uh, Helena or whatever. It's it's Helena, and I know that. So quit texting me that we're saying it wrong because I know how to say it, and I've said it right. <laughs> it's Helena outside of Birmingham. Uh, not a smallmouth guy, and he goes up to Lake St. Clair and catches catches enough uh, weight to win that event. And not just like, oh, it was a tough event. Caught 86 pounds, 7 ounces for 20 fish. Incredible. Um, 86, and I... And, I'm going to interject this. My fantasy team this week, terrible. Worst fantasy team I've ever picked in my life. So terrible. I dropped from 95% to 91 at the end of Champlain. I dropped from 91 to 83 at the end of St. Clair. Terrible. But the one silver lining, I picked the winning weight within three ounces of it. I said 86.10 was going to win it, 86.7 won it. So kudos to me for my random guess, props. Um, But Bill Widler winning on smallmouth at a lake that he had never been to before. Um, I I believe he hadn't been here. And uh, big time testimonial moment for him of, uh, you know, he had a a mindset change. He had a, a shift in focus. He had a couple bad seasons. Uh, life wasn't going real great on the water for him. And, you know, he really started to dissect that, it seems, and uh, really started trusting in God and, and, and following that part of his faith um, and staying calm, cool, collected in the moment. I remember seeing him at Lake Lanier struggle with emotions and losing his cool and not doing well on the final day and wanting to win so bad that he was forcing it. So to see him be calm, cool, collected, tapping his AirPods and uh, being able to play the song when he'd hook up with the fish. And if that's, if that's what it takes to stay calm, cool, and collected, to have a great Christian song like Red Letters by Crowder playing through your, through your earbuds over and over and over as you land fish throughout the day, then that's what you need to do. It was unorthodox, but I think that is an amazing testimony that uh, his whole drive up there you know, the dude's sitting at the at the bottom of the Angler of the Year standings. You know, he wasn't doing great. He was in the 80s and um, needed needed something. Needed to prove to himself, probably. Screw the critics. Heck with all the people that are going to judge you. He probably said to himself, I've got to tell myself that I can catch him. I know I can catch him, but I got to do it. I got I to gotta get out of this rut. I gotta, I got, all my equipment needs to work right. I got to get in here. I gotta catch these fish, and I gotta, I gotta win. I gotta win an event. I gotta do well. I gotta prove to myself I can do this on this level, and he did it. And uh, he gave all the glory to God. He obviously caught the fish. I don't want to act like people are always like, well, "What are you talking about?" Bill Widler went out there and practiced and and found the fish and did it. Yes, Bill Widler caught those twenty bass that he weighed in. But there is a, as a man of faith, it is cool to see God intercede in your life and tell you different things and. You know, I believe Bill said in his way in speech, he told why he listened to that song, but also he said in practice, he was just trying to get out of the wind, so he ran into Anchor Bay, he was going to do something on his phone, or something happened, 
and he was looking down, and then he's just floated across this area, saw a fish, got up, fished, and that was the area that he ended up. So God works in mysterious ways. He intercedes in your life when you need him the most, and Bill trusted that and trusted that gut, that instinct, that that feeling that you get when God is working in your life, telling you, hey, just be, it's going to be good. Lean on me this week, and I will guide you, because I already know what Bill Wydler's future is going to look like. You know, that's, that's, God already knows what we're going to do, where we're going to do it, and how it's going to work out. And um, he'll know, he already knows if we're going to trust him or not trust him. So the fact that Bill, um, with a clear conscience, trusted that, that notion and that that feeling he got, and uh, and it yielded him an elite series win. Never lost the faith. Thought he was going to miss the cut. Caught enough fish to make the cut. Jumped in uh, into the cut in eighth place, and then and ends up winning on Championship Sunday. Incredible. Um, so I recommend it if you haven't ever listened to it. Click off the podcast. It's the only time I'm going to let you to tell you to do that. Click off the podcast. Go to YouTube. Go to iTunes. Go to Spotify. Wherever. Search Red Letters by Crowder. Red Letters, like in the Bible, Red Letters, by C-R-O-W-D-E-R, Crowder. Search that song up, listen to it. So um, so many truths in that song. It's such a good song, uplifting, really pulls you out of that self-pity valley that we get in when stuff's not going right, and... Uh, and and Bill did it. He did it and gave the credit where credit was due. And his life has changed forever now. His family is going to enjoy that set up. He's going to have financial freedom. Um, and he'll be able to fish more free. He now knows what it's like to win. Trusting those instincts from now on will be crucial. And uh, those four fall events, we'll see how his season, if he can turn it around and continue the rest of the season. So my afterthoughts of St. Clair... Top five best Bassmaster Elite Series event I've ever been a part of. And I say top five just because I thought about saying this right this second. Had no pre-planning. I have no events written down. But top five, no doubt. Top five, no doubt. Bassmaster Elite Series event I've ever been a part of and uh, I've ever watched. And I think... um, I think I need to sit down and do that. I need to make a list of some iconic events that I remember. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, message me on Instagram at Ronnie Moore Bass, Twitter at Ronnie Moore Bass, Facebook Ronnie Moore Bass. Give me your list. If you're a Bassmaster Elite Series fan and you've watched these, tell me your most iconic and memorable and, and just intense tournaments that you remember. Because I can't remember an event, I don't think there is an event that has been as close from first to eighth as this event was that... Someone could have pulled up on their last cast and caught a five-pounder or a six-pounder, which is not out of the realm of possibility at Lake St. Clair. We had a five-ten each day get caught, and then a six and a six-five for big bass. Someone could have caught one of those fish, checked in, and won the event. And that was not just like three or four guys. Like eight guys could have had that happen. So what a week. Congratulations, Bill Widler. Congratulations to the whole top 10. Uh, we got through the Northern Swing. Congratulations to the Bassmaster staff. We have started and resumed our season with the Northern Swing. Two in New York. All the COVID tests that went through, everything passed with flying colors. And uh, and then Michigan, we were safe. Had an awesome 
weigh-in set up where people could gather out in their own boat from when they were out on the water fishing or pleasure boating, whatever, and watch the weigh-in from the water. That was pretty cool. So kudos to Macomb County, Detroit. Uh, Yeti jumped on as a sponsor of the event. That's cool. Carhartt sponsored the live show. Awesome support there. Detroit is right there where Carhartt's from, that hub. So it's cool. I remember going up there and having the meeting in the Carhartt plant. It was cool. Uh, Back in 2015, my last time I was there in person. But Bassmaster Elite Series, fifth stop, Lake St. Clair. Bill Widler wins it, 86 pounds, 7 ounces. Nine of the top 10 had 80 pounds. And the top 16 all had over 60 pounds after three days. They all had 20-pound average after three days of competition. We almost had 10 average 20 pounds on the final day. Taku was four ounces short of that. And uh, obviously 11th through 16th didn't get to compete on the final day, but they still averaged 20 pounds a day. It's just they got cut. So incredible. It had some Falcon vibes. I remember talking to Davey Height, and he's like, I had 70-something pounds and had a shot at a Century Club belt and didn't even get to fish the final day because I got cut. I got 12th or 13th or 15th or something. And I had 78 pounds and I didn't even get to make it because I didn't have 80 pounds for, for three days. So pretty cool for smallmouth. We will break the century mark with smallmouth one day in a four-day 20-bass event. It'll happen. It's been so close so many times. We will mash it up and we'll make it work. Um, but... Based on the circumstances we've been given in 2020, I could not picture a better St. John's, Eufaula, St. Lawrence, Champlain, St. Clair, and even the Bassmaster Classic in Gunnersville. Couldn't have imagined a better six events that we've had this season. Uh, blessed to say the least, and the storylines have been outrageous. Congratulations to all the anglers. And those are my afterthoughts of St. Clair. Big smallmouth, crazy weights, how tight it was. Bill Widler, underdog story, needing that win, getting it. Another comeback from from farther back in the pack, eighth place to first. Um, no, no Canada waters and Garmin Panoptics live scope, uh, the electronics debate that's there, and uh, John Cox leading three days of the event, shallow water largemouth fisherman, that that's what he prides himself on, almost won a smallmouth event with all smallmouth. Really fun week. Super proud of all the anglers and staff. I'm excited. So thanks for joining me for this episode of the podcast. I, I really love it. Uh, really love my job. Bassmaster Live, kicking it out on ESPN2. Ah, man, so fun. So exhausting, but so fun. Uh, so much positive feedback from fans and people watching that. So I appreciate all the love that y'all show me personally, all the love that you show the crew and the show. It does not go unnoticed. We love it. We thrive off of it, and we continue to put in work knowing that y'all are watching and listening to everything. So kudos to y'all, the fans, and uh, thanks to everyone who listens to the podcast. 31 minutes in of Afterthoughts at St. Clair, and uh, man, I can't wait till late Gunnersville, late September. We got a month. We'll knock out three in a row. It's going to be a hectic back-to-back-to-back for the fall deal, and then we'll have a couple weeks off, and then we'll go to Fork for the final one. But Gunnersville, Santee Cooper, Lake Chickamauga in the fall should be fun. At least we know the weights might not be as big as they would normal at other times of the year, but the teaching factor is going to be there. A lot of fans are going to learn all about fall fishing more than they ever knew, and we're going to see some awesome techniques come into play that we wouldn't see normally. So thanks for joining in, listening to the podcast. 
Um, appreciate all the reviews and the stars that y'all give. Subscribe if you want to. I've never said that on the podcast to subscribe, but subscribe if you want to. Follow me on social media. It's Ronnie Moore Bass on everything. And I look forward to the next event. Look forward to the comments. Look forward to uh, all the interactions I get. So peace out.